Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Three, the president publicly criticizes Sessions in a New York Times interview within hours of the president's meeting with Lewandowski. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes, changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if you're gonna figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. On July 19, 2017, the president gave an unplanned interview to the New York Times in which he criticized Sessions's decision to recuse from the Russia investigation. The president said that Sessions should have never recused himself, and IFHE was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job, and I would have picked somebody else. 
Sessions's recusal, the president said, was very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? IFHE would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you, it's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word, to the president. Hicks, who was present for the interview, recalled trying to throw herself between the reporters and the president to stop parts of the interview, but the president loved the interview. Later that day, Lewandowski met with Hicks and they discussed the president's New York Times interview. Lewandowski recalled telling Hicks about the president's request that he meet with Sessions and joking with her about the idea of firing Sessions as a private citizen if Sessions would not meet with him. As Hicks remembered the conversation, Lewandowski told her the president had recently asked him to meet with Sessions and deliver a message that he needed to do the right thing and resign. While Hicks and Lewandowski were together, the president called Hicks and told her he was happy with how coverage of his New York Times interview criticizing Sessions was playing out. 4. The president orders Priebus to demand Sessions's resignation. Three days later, on July 21, 2017, the Washington Post Repo 1 TED that U.S. intelligence intercepts showed that Sessions had discussed campaign-related matters with the Russian ambassador, contrary to what Sessions had said publicly. That evening, Priebus called Hunt to talk about whether Sessions might be fired or might resign. Priebus had previously talked to Hunt when the media had reported on tensions between Sessions and the president, and, after speaking to Sessions, Hunt had told Priebus that the president would have to fire Sessions if he wanted to remove Sessions because Sessions was not going to quit. According to Hunt, who took contemporaneous notes of the July 21 call, Hunt told Priebus that, as they had previously discussed, Sessions had no intention of resigning. Hunt asked Priebus what the president would accomplish by firing Sessions, pointing out there was an investigation before and there would be an investigation after. Early the following morning, July 22, 2017, the president tweeted, a new intelligence leak from the Amazon Washington Post, this time against A.G. Jeff Sessions. These illegal leaks, like Comey's, must stop approximately one hour later, the president tweeted, so many people are asking why isn't the AG or special counsel looking at the many Hillary Clinton or Comey crimes. 33,000 emails deleted? Later that morning, while aboard Marine One on the way to Norfolk, Virginia, the president told Priebus that he had to get Sessions to resign immediately. The president said that the country had lost confidence in Sessions and the negative publicity was not tolerable. According to contemporaneous notes taken by Priebus, the president told Priebus to say that he needed a letter of resignation on his desk immediately and that Sessions had no choice but must immediately resign. Priebus replied that if they fired Sessions, they would never get a new attorney general confirmed and that the Department of Justice and Congress would turn their backs on the president, but the president suggested he could make a recess appointment to replace Sessions. Priebus believed that the president's request was a problem, so he called McGahn and asked for advice, explaining that he did not want to pull the trigger on something that was all wrong. Although the president tied his desire for Sessions to resign to Sessions's negative press and poor performance in congressional testimony, Priebus believed that the president's desire to replace Sessions was driven by the president's hatred of Sessions's recusal from the Russia investigation. McGahn told Priebus not to follow the president's order and said they should consult their personal counsel, with whom they had attorney-client privilege. McGahn and Priebus discussed the possibility that they would both have to resign rather than carry out the president's order to fire Sessions. 
That afternoon, the president followed up with Priebus about demanding Sessions's resignation, using words to the effect of, did you get it? Are you working on it? Priebus said that he believed that his job depended on whether he followed the order to remove Sessions, although the president did not directly say so. Even though Priebus did not intend to carry out the president's directive, he told the president he would get Sessions to resign. Later in the day, Priebus called the president and explained that it would be a calamity if Sessions resigned because Priebus expected that Rosenstein and Associate Attorney General Rachel Brand would also resign and the president would be unable to get anyone else confirmed. The president agreed to hold off on demanding Sessions's resignation until after the Sunday shows the next day, to prevent the shows from focusing on the firing. By the end of that weekend, Priebus recalled that the president relented and agreed not to ask Sessions to resign. Over the next several days, the president tweeted about Sessions. On the morning of Monday, July 24, 2017, the president criticized Sessions for neglecting to investigate Clinton and called him beleaguered. On July 25, the president tweeted, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken a very weak position on Hillary Clinton crimes, where are emails and DNC server and intel leakers. The following day, July 26, the president tweeted, Why didn't AG Sessions replace acting FBI Director Andrew McCabe, a Comey friend who was in charge of Clinton investigation? According to Hunt, in light of the president's frequent public attacks, Sessions prepared another resignation letter and for the rest of the year carried it with him in his pocket every time he went to the White House. Analysis. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. In analyzing the president's efforts to have Lewandowski deliver a message directing Sessions to publicly announce that the special counsel investigation would be confined to future election interference, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. A. Obstructive Act. The president's effort to send Sessions a message through Lewandowski would qualify as an obstructive act if it would naturally obstruct the investigation and any grand jury proceedings that might flow from the inquiry. The president sought to have Sessions announce that the president shouldn't have a special prosecutor, counsel and that Sessions was going to meet with the special prosecutor to explain this is very unfair and let the special prosecutor move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections so that nothing can happen in future elections. The president wanted Sessions to disregard his recusal from the investigation, which had followed from a formal DOJ ethics review, and have Sessions declare that he knew for a fact that there were no Russians involved with the campaign because he was there. The president further directed that Sessions should explain that the president should not be subject to an investigation because he hasn't done anything wrong. Taken together, the president's directives indicate that Sessions was being instructed to tell the special counsel to end the existing investigation into the president and his campaign, with the special counsel being permitted to move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections. B. Nexus to an official proceeding. As described above, by the time of the president's initial one-on-one -on -one meeting with Lewandowski on June 19, 2017, the existence of a grand jury investigation supervised by the special counsel was Ublignold E. B. The time of the president's follow-you meeting with Lewandowski, see Volume 2, Section 11. G. Infra. To satisfy the nexus requirement, it would be necessary to show that limiting the special counsel's investigation would have the natural and probable effect of impeding that grand jury proceeding. C. Intent. 
Substantial evidence indicates that the president's effort to have Sessions limit the scope of the special counsel's investigation to future election interference was intended to prevent further investigative scrutiny of the president's and his campaign's conduct. As previously described, see Volume TT, Section 2. B. Supra, the president knew that the Russia investigation was focused in part on his campaign, and he perceived allegations of Russian interference to cast doubt on the legitimacy of his election. The president further knew that the investigation had broadened to include his own conduct and whether he had obstructed justice. Those investigations would not proceed if the special counsel's jurisdiction were limited to future election interference only. The timing and circumstances of the president's actions support the conclusion that he sought that result. The president's initial direction that Sessions should limit the special counsel's investigation came just two days after the president had ordered McGahn to save the special counsel removed, which itself followed public reports that the president was personally under investigation for obstruction of justice. The sequence of those events raises an inference that after seeking to terminate the special counsel, the president sought to exclude his and his campaign's conduct from the investigation's scope. The president raised the matter with Lewandowski again on July 19, 2017, just days after emails and information about the June 9, 2016 meeting between Russians and senior campaign officials had been publicly disclosed, generating substantial media coverage and investigative interest. The manner in which the president acted provides additional evidence of his intent. Rather than rely on official channels, the president met with Lewandowski alone in the Oval Office. The president selected a loyal devotee outside the White House to deliver the message, supporting an inference that he was working outside White House channels, including McGahn, who had previously resisted contacting the Department of Justice about the special counsel. The president also did not contact the acting attorney general, who had just testified publicly that there was no cause to remove the special counsel. Instead, the president tried to use Sessions to restrict and redirect the special counsel's investigation when Sessions was recused and could not properly take any action on it. The July 19, 2017 events provide further evidence of the president's intent. The president followed up with Lewandowski in a separate one-on-one -on -one meeting one month after he first dictated the message for Sessions, demonstrating he still sought to pursue the request. And just hours after Lewandowski assured the president that the message would soon be delivered to Sessions, the president gave an unplanned interview to the New York Times in which he publicly attacked Sessions and raised questions about his job security. Four days later, on July 22, 2017, the president directed Priebus to obtain Sessions's resignation. That evidence could raise an inference that the president wanted Sessions to realize that his job might be on the line as he evaluated whether to comply with the president's direction that Sessions publicly announced that, notwithstanding his recusal, he was going to confine the special counsel's investigation to future election interference. G. The president's efforts to prevent disclosure of emails about the June 9, 2016 meeting bevying Russians and senior campaign officials. Overview. By June 2017, the president became aware of emails setting up the June 9, 2016 meeting between senior campaign officials and Russians who offered derogatory information on Hillary Clinton as part of Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump. On multiple occasions in late June and early July 2017, the president directed aides not to publicly disclose the emails, and he then dictated a statement about the meeting to be issued by Donald Trump Jr. describing the meeting as about adoption. Evidence. 
I. The president learns about the existence of emails concerning the June 9, 2016 Trump Tower meeting in mid-June 2017 the same week that the president first asked Lewandowski to pass a message to Sessions' senior administration officials became aware of emails exchanged during the campaign arranging a meeting between Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner, and a Russian attorney. As described in Volume 1, Section TV. A. 5. Supra, the emails stated that the Crown Prosecutor of Russia had offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia as part of Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump. Trump Jr. responded, if it's what you say I love it, and he, Kushner, and Manafort met with the Russian attorney and several other Russian individuals at Trump Tower on June 9, 2016. At the meeting, the Russian attorney claimed that funds derived from illegal activities in Russia were provided to Hillary Clinton and other Democrats, and the Russian attorney then spoke about the Magnitsky Act, a 2012 U.S. statute that imposed financial and travel sanctions on Russian officials and that had resulted in a retaliatory ban in Russia on U.S. adoptions of Russian children. According to written answers submitted by the president in response to questions from this office, the president had no recollection of learning of the meeting or the emails setting it up at the time the meeting occurred or at any other time before the election. The Trump campaign had previously received a document request from SSCI that called for the production of various information, including, a list and a description of all meetings between any individual affiliated with the Trump campaign and any individual formally or informally affiliated with the Russian government or Russian business interests which took place between June 16, 2015, and 12 p.m. on January 20, 2017, and associated records. Trump Organization attorneys became aware of the June 9 meeting no later than the first week of June 2017, when they began interviewing the meeting participants, and the Trump Organization attorneys provided the emails setting up the meeting to the president's personal counsel. Mark Corallo, who had been hired as a spokesman for the president's personal legal team, recalled that he learned about the June 9 meeting around June 21 or 22, 2017. Priebus recalled learning about the June 9 meeting from Fox News host Sean Hannity in late June 2017. Priebus notified one of the president's personal attorneys, who told Priebus he was already working on it. By late June, several advisors recalled receiving media inquiries that could relate to the June 9 meeting. The president directs communications staff not to publicly disclose information about the June 9 meeting. Communications advisors Hope Hicks and Josh Raffel recalled discussing with Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump that the emails were damaging and would inevitably be leaked. Hicks and Raffel advised that the best strategy was to proactively release the emails to the press. On or about June 22, 2017, Hicks attended a meeting in the White House residence with the President, Kushner, and Ivanka Trump. According to Hicks, Kushner said that he wanted to fill the president in on something that had been discovered in the documents he was to provide to the congressional committees involving a meeting with him, Manafort, and Trump Jr. Kushner brought a folder of documents to the meeting and tried to show them to the president, but the president stopped Kushner and said he did not want to know about it, shutting the conversation down. On June 28, 2017, Hicks viewed the emails at Kushner's attorney's office. She recalled being shocked by the emails because they looked really bad. The next day, Hicks spoke privately with the president to mention her concern about the emails, which she understood were soon going to be shared with Congress. 
The president seemed upset because too many people knew about the emails and he told Hicks that just one lawyer should deal with the matter. The president indicated that he did not think the emails would leak, but said they would leak if everyone had access to them. Later that day, Hicks, Kushner, and Ivanka Trump went together to talk to the president. Hicks recalled that Kushner told the president the June 9th meeting was not a big deal and was about Russian adoption, but that emails existed setting up the meeting. Hicks said she wanted to get in front of the story and have Trump Jr. release the emails as part of an interview with softball questions. The president said he did not want to know about it and they should not go to the press. Hicks warned the president that the emails were really bad and the story would be massive when it broke, but the president was insistent that he did not want to talk about it and said he did not want details. Hicks recalled that the president asked Kushner when his document production was due. Kushner responded that it would be a couple of weeks and the president said, then leave it alone. Hicks also recalled that the president said Kushner's attorney should give the emails to whomever he needed to give them to, but the president did not think they would be leaked to the press. Raffle later heard from Hicks that the president had directed the group not to be proactive in disclosing the emails because the president believed they would not leak. The president directs Trump Jr.'s response to press inquiries about the June 9th meeting. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. The following week, the president departed on an overseas trip for the G20 summit in Hamburg, Germany, accompanied by Hicks, Raffel, Kushner, and T. Vanka Trump, among others. On July 7, 2017, while the president was overseas, Hicks and Raffel learned that the New York Times was working on a story about the June 9th meeting. The next day, Hicks told the president about the story and he directed her not to comment. Hicks thought the president's reaction was odd because he usually considered not responding to the press to be the ultimate sin. Later that day, Hicks and the president again spoke about the story. Hicks recalled that the president asked her what the meeting had been about, and she said that she had been told the meeting was about Russian adoption. The president responded, then just say that. On the flight home from the G20 on July 8, 2017, Hicks obtained a draft statement about the meeting to be released by Trump Jr. and brought it to the president. The draft statement began with a reference to the information that was offered by the Russians in setting up the meeting. I was asked to have a meeting by an acquaintance I knew from the 2013 Miss Universe pageant with an individual who I was told might have information helpful to the campaign. Hicks again wanted to disclose the entire story, but the president directed that the statement not be issued because it said too much. The president told Hicks to say only that Trump Jr. took a brief meeting and it was about Russian adoption. After speaking with the president, Hicks texted Trump Jr. a revised statement on the June 9th meeting that read, it was a short meeting. I asked Jared and Paul to stop by. We discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children that was active and popular with American families years ago and was since ended by the Russian government, but it was not a campaign issue at that time and there was no follow-up. Hicks's text concluded, Are you okay with this? Attributed to you. Trump Jr. responded by text message that he wanted to add the word primarily before discussed so that the statement would read, We primarily discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children. Trump Jr. texted that he wanted the change because they started with some Hillary thing which was BS and some other nonsense which we shot down fast. Hicks texted back, I think that's right too but boss man worried it invites a lot of questions. 
ultimately defer to you and your attorney on that word b i know it's important and i think the mention of a campaign issue adds something to it in case we have to go further trump jr responded lfl don't have it in there it appears as though i'm lying later when they inevitably leak something Trump Jr.'s statement adding the word primarily and making other minor additions was then provided to the New York Times. The full statement provided to the Times stated, it was a short introductory meeting. I asked Jared and Paul to stop by. We primarily discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children that was active and popular with American families years ago and was since ended by the Russian government, but it was not a campaign issue at the time and there was no follow-up. I was asked to attend the meeting by an acquaintance, but was not told the name of the person I would be meeting with beforehand. The statement did not mention the offer of derogatory information about Clinton or any discussion of the Magnitsky Act or U.S. sanctions, which were the principal subjects of the meeting, as described in Volume 1, Section IV. A. 5. Supra. A short while later, while still on Air Force One, Hicks learned that Priebus knew about the emails, which further convinced her that additional information about the June 9th meeting would leak and the White House should be proactive and get in front of the story. Hicks recalled again going to the president to urge him that they should be fully transparent about the June 9th meeting, but he again said no, telling Hicks, you've given a statement. We're done. Later on the flight home, Hicks went to the president's cabin, where the president was on the phone with one of his personal attorneys. At one point the president handed the phone to Hicks, and the attorney told Hicks that he had been working with Circa News on a separate story, and that she should not talk to the New York Times. The media reports on the June 9, 2016 meeting. Before the president's flight home from the G20 landed, the New York Times published its story about the June 9, 2016 meeting. In addition to the statement from Trump Jr., the Times story also quoted a statement from Corallo on behalf of the president's legal team suggesting that the meeting might have been a setup by individuals working with the firm that produced the Steele reporting. Corallo also worked with Circa News on a story published an hour later that questioned whether Democratic operatives had arranged the June 9th meeting to create the appearance of improper connections between Russia and Trump family members. Hicks was upset about Corallo's public statement and called him that evening to say the president had not approved the statement. The next day, July 9, 2017, Hicks and the president called Corallo together and the president criticized Corallo for the statement he had released. Corallo told the president the statement had been authorized and further observed that Trump Jr.'s statement was inaccurate and that a document existed that would contradict it. Corallo said that he purposely used the term document to refer to the emails setting up the June 9th meeting because he did not know what the president knew about the emails. Corallo recalled that when he referred to the document won the call with the president, Hicks responded that only a few people had access to it and said it will never get out. Corallo took contemporaneous notes of the call that say, also mention existence of doc. Hope says, only a few people have it. It will never get out. Hicks later told investigators that she had no memory of making that comment and had always believed the emails would eventually be leaked, but she might have been channeling the president on the phone call because it was clear to her throughout her conversations with the president that he did not think the emails would leak. On July 11, 2017, Trump Jr. posted redacted images of the emails setting up the June 9th meeting on Twitter. The New York Times reported that he did so after being told that the Times was about to publish the content of the emails. 
Later that day, the media reported that the president had been personally involved in preparing Trump Jr.'s initial statement to the New York Times that had claimed the meeting primarily concerned a program about the adoption of Russian children. Over the next several days, the president's personal counsel repeatedly and inaccurately denied that the president played any role in drafting Trump Jr.'s statement. After consulting with the president on the issue, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders told the media that the president certainly didn't dictate the statement, but that he weighed in, offered suggestions like any father would do. Several months later, the president's personal counsel stated in a private communication to the special counsel's office that the president dictated a short but accurate response to the New York Times article on behalf of his son, Donald Trump Jr. The president later told the press that it was irrelevant whether he dictated the statement and said, it's a statement to the New York Times, that's not a statement to a high tribunal of judges. On July 19, 2017, the president had his follow-up meeting with Lewandowski and then met with reporters for the New York Times. In addition to criticizing Sessions in his Times interview, the president addressed the June 9, 2016 meeting and said he didn't know anything about the meeting at the time. The president added, as I've said most other people, you know, when they call up and say, by the way, we have information on your opponent, I think most politicians, I was just with a lot of people, they said, who wouldn't have taken a meeting like that? Analysis. In analyzing the president's actions regarding the disclosure of information about the June 9th meeting, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice, a, e obstructive act. On at least three occasions between June 29, 2017, and July 9, E. 2017, the president directed Hicks and others not to publicly disclose information about the June 9, 2016 meeting between senior campaign officials and a Russian attorney. On June 29, Hicks warned the president that the emails setting up the June 9 meeting were really bad and the story would be massive when it broke, but the president told her and Kushner to leave it alone. Early on July 8, after Hicks told the president the New York Times was working on a story about the June 9th meeting, the president directed her not to comment, even though Hicks said that the president usually considered not responding to the press to be the ultimate sin. Later that day, the president rejected Trump Jr.'s draft statement that would have acknowledged that the meeting was with an individual who I was told might have information helpful to the campaign. The president then dictated a statement to Hicks that said the meeting was about Russian adoption, which the president had twice been told was discussed at the meeting. The statement dictated by the president did not mention the offer of derogatory information about Clinton. Each of these efforts by the president involved his communications team and was directed at the press. They would amount to obstructive acts only if the president, by taking these actions, sought to withhold information from or mislead congressional investigators or the special counsel. On May 17, 2017, the president's campaign received a document request from SSCI that clearly covered the June 9 meeting and underlying emails, and those documents also plainly would have been relevant to the special counsel's investigation. But the evidence does not establish that the president took steps to prevent the emails or other information about the June 9th meeting from being provided to Congress or the special counsel. The series of discussions in which the president sought to limit access to the emails and prevent their public release occurred in the context of developing a press strategy. 
The only evidence we have of the president discussing the production of documents to Congress or the special counsel is the conversation on June 29, 2017, when Hicks recalled the president acknowledging that Kushner's attorney should provide emails related to the June 9 meeting to whomever he needed to give them to. We do not have evidence of what the president discussed with his own lawyers at that time. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. In America, my home all my life. If you don't know the past, you're only doomed to repeat it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.